0: The battle of good and evil will continue whether or not we want it to. It's up to us. It is our responsibility to make this happen. was still young and yawned at every dawn's waking Granis, the god of light came and all was bathed in the holy light of heaven thus those were the days of marvels yet there were those who sought the power to resist Granis. they found power in valmar the god of darkness the power to release the energy bound up in life the power To unmake the world. Thus, in those days, they made war. Brought to you by 13 Palm Trees is Video Game Mythos, Episode 21. The fighting continued endlessly until the Sword of Granis pierced the infinite darkness of Valmar. The mighty blow from Granis not only smashed Valmar into pieces, but also carved several ugly scars in the very surface of the planet. These are the granite cliffs that survive even to the present. That is why these parts of our planet are called the cursed lands. Even the voice of a songstress can sound evil when cast in a certain light. And if the songstresses themselves are going to sing about the Holy Lord Granus, and with a sharp wit should we try to choose between what is good and evil, how? If Granus has always revealed himself as a portion of evil in himself, those of the light had waged war with those of the dark. So which is truly evil? As a common folk among these lands, how can I attribute Granis or Valmar to good or evil when I have seen evil from both of them? Such is the question is placed for much of the common folk when the world is scoured in the fear of what could be in the dark and the fear of what could be in the light. What is it that you would choose? Welcome to the story of Grandia 2. It is a warm spring day, bright with afternoon sunlight, with life chirping and bustling about, and the light glistening off the tips of the waves that flow from the smooth breeze delivered by the granite cliffs the nearby Corbeau Village is home to a songstress of Grannis named Elena. The vistas provided by the lake's water that flows into the granite cliffs and the beautiful mist that floods the light-filled air, delivering sparkles and shimmering rainbows is very inviting to a young lady on an afternoon walk. After her daily studies at the Corbeau Village Church, Elena plans to take a solitary walk to see these aspects, these beautiful vistas that the world provides. She believes that spending time alone in the wilds can bring the magic of deepening perception, that the awareness of life tunes to the subtleties of sound, light, fragrance, texture, and detail. She believes that attention is rewarded by experimental knowledge that is all the more meaningful for its direct transmission. She begins distinguishing shadings of tone in the spectrum of what meets her senses, the many caresses of moving air, the gradients of the color in a single leaf, or the differences in the sings of two birds of the same kind. These teachings yield not only a greater understanding for Elena, but a deeper wonder and respect for the world. This awakens an instinctive wisdom in her as her connectedness within the world is called into an active participation. This intrinsic aspect of Elena and her purpose within embodiment is communal, but the perceptiveness and sensitivity and the awakened awareness of her connection is a quiet mind that solitude can engender. They are essential to her contributions and to her understandings of the teachings of Granis. Until she learns how to be a natural human, a part of a natural communalism on earth, she will be at odds with herself and with the teachings of Grannis himself. This part of her journey is one of the most pivotal. The teachings of Grannis can teach you lessons from the past that you can't learn with a walk through a woods, but lessons from the past can't teach you things that you can learn from a walk in the woods. She acknowledges this divide between the lessons of Grannis and the existence of the world itself. The people, the common folk, have become unattuned to the songstress's words, to what she studies, to what Grannis is all about. It creates a divide between what is good and evil or what is perceived good and evil. That is why every fiber of Elena's being is devoted toward bridging the communication gaps between what is good she is a songstress of light, a songstress of granus. She believes not only in the world, but in those that live within it. She will sing the beautiful songs of her people, of her belief, and of her faith, to sway the minds of the masses, to not choose the dark, to not choose the evil, to not get sucked back into the pitiful depths of our history. Because if we cannot learn from our history, we are doomed to repeat it but we must live in the present moment. Bridging those gaps, finding those people, and delivering peace, prosperity, and wholeness to their world is Elena's single self-assigned mission. Nobody put this on her. She took this on herself. Therefore, all of her actions are designed and implemented with the thought process of having maximum effectiveness at providing those things to the world. On this day, she takes a walk through the woods. Tomorrow is the day that she will venture through the Black Forest, where parts of evil reside, where the scars of Valmar exist and have come back to life to remind the world that Grannus is not all powerful and to remind the world that evil does exist and can prosper. Elena's mission tomorrow is to visit the Watchtower that overlooks the Black Forest as a part of a ceremony of truth to provide light to the dark parts of the world. Little does Elena know that her professor of Granis has hired a Geohound, a mercenary, a bodyguard. Geohounds are hired and will take up the cup whenever the coin is delivered. This Geohound will meet Elena in the Gorbo village on the following day and they will venture through the Black Forest and with his protection should guarantee her success. And with her success will come the vindication of the creatures of the Black Forest. Her mission is pivotal to provide light to this area of the world. She genuinely believes in her cause, but she does not so genuinely believe in herself. The next morning... The Geohound appears, and Elena sets off for her day. Little does Elena know that the Geohound will be accompanying her. She sees a repulsive man into the village. She is abided by the fact that she is serving to protect, including him. As her professor approaches, he sees the Geohound, waves him over. Elena, now startled by the approaching Geohound, realizes that the professor knows him and maybe even more. The Geohound and Elena make eye contact. The Geohound is impressively observant as Elena's disposition is automatically alerted to him. She doesn't like how he looks, how he presents himself, and he knows it. The professor says, hello, Ryudo, and Ryudo replies, what up? A little irked with his lack of professionalism, the professor now looks at Elena and says, Elena, This is Ryudo. I have hired him as your bodyguard through the Black Forest. Elena gasps. She says, I am not going to go through the Black Forest with him. Ryudo chuckles and looks at Elena with soft eyes and a grimacing smile as he looks at the professor and says, I don't care if she wants me to go with her or not as long as I get paid. Elena, somewhat taken aback by his frankness, yet still also subliminally hinting that she is somehow attracted to his masculinity, is kind of hesitant in her repulsion. Ryudo picks up on these cues and automatically responds with, I think you actually do want me to come. Elena comically turns her body, crosses her arms, raises her chin, and gives the typical pout. The professor intervenes on this comic display of affection As he says, time is passing. We must now go. Ryudo, I promise you will do your best to protect Elena on this journey. Elena, please do your best to rid the Black Forest of the cursed creatures of Valmar. Elena and Ryudo leave for the Black Forest. Much of the journey, there is silence between them. With only the minor remark of observations made, as they pass through the woods. Elena at one point looks at Ryudo in curiosity of how he's able to live his life the way that he does. He looks despotic and almost evil. She sees in him what she wants to change about the world to create more things of light, to make more things better, to make things more peaceful and more pleasant to see. Ryudo's keen sense of perception can almost pick up on this immediately. He understands what Elena sees in the world, understands where she comes from with her faith and with her beliefs. It's almost unnerving to Elena that for the brief amount of time that they've seen one another, that he sees her for what she is, yet she does not know him. This internal struggle that Elena witnesses is the first time that she's had this interaction with another person. So she takes it upon herself as a moment of studying. Not only like she studies the woods, sees the world, and takes it all in for her senses to try to make the world a part of her as much as she is a part of the world. She sees Ryudo and almost understands that she is conditionally repelled to this. It almost helps her shred light onto one of the big forefronts of how her faith in Granis has a huge communication barrier with those of the dirt, with those that do work, with those that might not seem pretty, but have pretty souls. She sees that in Ryudo. As they're entering the Black Forest, as they're entering a war, as they approach the darkness together. She finds love. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Video Game Mythos. It was a pleasure to bring you this content. And as you've heard in the intro, this content is provided to you by 13 Palm Trees Podcast Productions. My name is Ryan, and today's episode was greatly inspired by the storytelling successes of Michael as he DMs our D kind of podcast. If you haven't heard that, and if you've liked this episode, you should check that out. Now this week, it actually got number one top spot under the games and hobbies, top charts on iTunes. That is a huge success. And I am very proud to be a part of it, but it is also a testament to how well we are produced and how much effort goes into our love and our labor for these podcasts. If you have any sort of contribution, any sort of ideas that you would like us to cover, that you think that we could hit the ground with running, I want you to email me now, ryan at 13palmtrees.com. And once again, I want to give you a very heartfelt thank you, as I appreciate you listening to Video Game Mythos.